0: Hey, everyone. This is Cassidy Sharples, and it's Q&A day here at the Red X. hope everyone is having a good day. Welcome to Q&A with Top Prospectors, where we answer your prospecting questions with the best of the best, people who have proven prospecting processes and approaches to predictably generate listing appointments. We get these questions from you, the listeners, so when you see an email from us, the Red X, that's your opportunity to ask any question about something that's standing in your way to getting the results you want. After that, we go to the top prospectors, for answers, and help you on your way to success. So today's session is about FISBOs, or for sale by owners. This lead type typically doesn't use an agent in order to save money and wish to market their home individually. They want to sell, but don't want to pay commission. Although they are willing, they often don't know how to sell or even how to price their property properly. So FISBOs are an excellent opportunity for you to speak with people who don't have to be convinced to sell. The challenge and the opportunity are the same for those who can articulate their value. Those agents will win this type of business, and that's what this call is about today. So to help make this happen for you, the call is broken into three categories that help prospecting clearer, and specifically today, FISBOs. So we're going to be talking about business planning, goal setting and vision, staying motivated, accountability and overcoming rejection, and lastly, approaches, methods, and techniques. So I'm about to introduce you to Jason Morris. When we reached out to the community of Top Red X Prospectors, Jason's name came up for Fizbo's. He's an excellent example to follow. Jason has done more than 2,000 transactions total in his career. He was part of the team that was in the top 50 in North America a couple years in a row, as well as number two in North and South Carolina. So we have a lot to learn from Jason today. Let me introduce you to him officially. Hi, Jason.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you this morning? I'm
1: uh, oh, doing doing great. Doing great. I, I really appreciate you having me on today. Um, for sale owners have, have been a really big part of my business, and it's been a part of my business that I just went out and I just got really really good at getting for sale owners. I even put my system in a book, um, how to be a Fizbo master. And, oh yeah, um,
0: that's right.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's been a best-selling book on Amazon for gosh, um, ever since it came out a few months ago.
0: I just want everyone to know that we'll have that link to your book available somewhere uh, on this on this page. So if they if they want to, you know, read the book that was written by the Fizbo expert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of for sale owners they think that they can do it themselves, and the the truth is. Even if they've sold a house themselves, it was probably a long time ago, or it may have been in a different state in a different area, and they don't really know – they don't really have that expertise to know the process. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Right. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, and so before we uh, dive into all the FSBO stuff, which I'm super eager, uh, can you give me just a really quick story of what got you into real estate and where you are now?
1: Oh, gosh. I I graduated college. mom. I graduated from Western University near Charlotte, North Carolina, and I kind of grew up around the business. My dad was a contractor, and my granddad and uncle um, were contractors and built a lot of houses and stuff. And um, so I'd kind of been around the real estate business my whole life. And um, I was graduating college, and honestly, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I worked for Sears selling uh, lawnmowers. And wow. <laughs> um, I just kept, and this was back in 2003. And, uh, I just kept watching some of the, I kept looking online and I kept reading stuff and reading books and stuff. And it seemed like, um, at the time, at the time I had this idea that, uh, I came down to Myrtle Beach and I got a real estate license during the summer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I met this lady that sold oceanfront condos. And my original thought on the real estate business was I was going to graduate college. I was going to move to Myrtle Beach and I was just going to hang out at the beach all day and go unlock a door, door or two here and there and sell a condo, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was my, my original idea of the business and my idea like today of the business are are pretty much the complete opposite.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> true. I, it's true. Well, what got you into physicals in particular?
1: What happened? I originally, when I got introduced to the phone like really quickly, like, when I started the, the um, real estate business, there was a guy in the office I was in that was just, we'd have our office meeting and back then... They go around the room and you get to talk about your new listing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: this guy, they would get to him and he would just talk about listing after listing until it was like, oh my God, what's, I mean, what is this guy doing? So, <laughs> um, I basically, basically stalked him out and harassed him <laughs> and, uh, until he kind of let me watch and stuff. So this guy would just get on the phone and he was so disciplined and so good on the phone. And so he introduced me to, um, he actually introduced me to Mike Ferry at the time oh, wow. and gave me uh, one of Mike Ferry's superstar retreats. And back then it was actually on VHS. Wow. <laughs> so um so so uh I remember listening like I watched the whole thing like straight through. I mean I could think it was like twelve hours of like audio and video. And, yeah, Mike Ferry notes. is it, Mike Ferry is
0: like mesmerizing to watch. He just pumps you up so much.
1: Yeah. He's a great speaker, and um, and uh-huh. this was back in, I think this was like 2001 Superstar Retreat or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, and so I got introduced to the phone, and at the time I just had no fear. I would just get there on the phone, and I'd make calls for four or five hours, and th- this was actually pre Redex too, uh-huh. where Redex didn't didn't provide expires, um, and so um, I would have to actually look up the numbers by hand. So oh. I'd spend like two. <laughs> I spent two or three hours looking up numbers to make calls for, like, an hour and a half.
2: You
1: know? mm-hmm. So um, what, what ended up happening is after a while, I got really good on the phone. Uh, and then um, when the real estate market kind of crashed, I still continued making calls like I was doing. But but I started building websites. And I built a real estate team that was, um, my real estate team was very buyer heavy because I got really good at generating buyer leads. But what I was doing with, um, at the time too, was there was so much inventory on the market that was sitting empty and expiring. So I started calling those people asking, hey, do you want to, you know, I know you can't sell your property. I know it's overpriced. Um, you know, you need 250000 for it. Maybe we can get you like $125,000 today. It was a, it was a, People talk about calls being tough today. They should have made calls in two thousand and eight. <laughs> you know? When you're,
0: you Oh know, yeah, I can imagine.
1: They're telling you how they owe two hundred thousand and you're looking at uh you're looking at MLS going, Maybe we can get you eighty. What do you think oh, about no. eighty thousand? You know, oh, it was um it was tough. And um yeah. so what I did was I changed my script and I started asking, you know, would you is it place play Cynthia and would you like to rent it out? So, um so, I to rapidly built up a property management company along with doing real estate sales mm-hmm. and having a team um, I did that for a few years um and I'll tell you I got really burned out having a team of buyers' agents and being real having a really buyer heavy business right so um I, w- I was working seven days a week I was working as close to- tw- twenty four hours a day as I possibly could because you know working with buyers you're at the mercy of them so yeah. If you got a vacation plan or you got family things planned on Saturday, and you got a buyer you've been working with for three months that calls you, you up and says, "Hey, I've seen this house, I want to go see it you You really have one of two choices: you can say, "Hey, I'm sorry, I got plans," and if you do that, then they're probably gonna find another agent that's showing that house uh-huh, or you can cancel what you have going on with your family, and you can go show them the house, and then you know then you gotta deal with you know angry family stuff, you know. Right. And um and one thing that oh, that we all know is that when your business and your family when your business time and your family time start clashing, then it's gonna cause a lot of problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um yeah. so um I got really burnt out on that. I think I had a stomach ulcer, but I was scared to go to the doctor. And um and so when I finally hit a point where um it was kinda like I felt like, Hey, I just I can't do this anymore. So, um I took probably about six months off where I didn't really do much real estate sales or anything. I kinda just expanded my team and um and when I started I started looking around and I actually thought about doing something outside of the real estate business today, the truth. I was that burnt out and stuff. So when I started um saying, Hey, started looking at my bank account and stuff and going, Hey, I probably should get back to work um I said, You know what? I'm gonna go back to the basics. I was really good at being on the phone, I was really good at um at uh getting listings and one of the things that there was here was there was a lot of for sale owners at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um and so I just started getting I started I hired another coach. I started getting really good on the phone again. I started practicing role playing, you know, making calls every day. And that's that's the key that a lot of agents miss. Is you have to you have to do it consistently. Like consistency right. is the key. Um oh, because oh, yeah like anything else, you know, if we go out here and we get on the treadmill once a month that's going to really suck you know what i mean uh, once a month yeah. to really suck. but if we start getting on the treadmill five six days a week then it won't be long and it's going to be really easy and we're going to get really I mean, a lot get a lot faster and stronger and you know be able to go further and making calls is the same way you have to build that muscle
0: yeah no exactly well when it comes to physicals especially like for sale by owners what do you think that prospectors should know going into them, like if they want to start uh, prospecting folks?
1: You know, the thing about these people are, you know, wherever, wherever that for sale owner ad comes from or that for sale owner number comes from, it's typically these people have a problem, right? And they believe yeah. by putting their house on the market that it's going to solve that problem for them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it, it isn't necessarily the house they want to sell. Yeah, you know, they could be moving up, down, sideways. You know, you know, um, but there's different levels of motivation, and that's one of the things that um you have to get really good at is figuring out what their motivation is. You know, right on a scale right. from one to ten, if they're motivated a one, you know, like hey, we thought, you know, I was looking around last night, thought I'd throw an ad on Craigslist, um, but I don't care if I sell. You know, that's you know that's not really motivation, but if they're going, "Hey, I just took a job that's three hours away, and I need to sell my house because I can't afford to live here and rent a place there," you know, um, mm-hmm. that's that's like that's real motivation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so um, you have to get really good at judging motivation and then following up accordingly. Accordingly.
0: Okay. Well, um, let's, let's, let's actually backtrack just a little bit, because our first question, our first series of questions has to do with business planning, goal setting, and vision. So from what we've learned, top prospectors who make over six figures a year um, always have a vision of what they want for their life and business, and then they sort out annual and monthly goals to help them get there. So that's where they start, So this is kind of where we want to start. And we're going to address those kind of questions that the audience asks. So let's let's kind of dive into that. Uh can you tell us more about your annual goals and your vision? How how do you paint those numbers?
1: Um, for me for me my goals are a little bit different um than uh a lot of agents nowadays because I just had a I just had a little girl, she's two months old.
0: Oh congratulations.
1: So, I, so um the first thing you have to do for, for me, like ideally I want to sell I'd like to sell about seventy five houses a year and my okay. market average sales price is around a hundred thousand dollars. So so I mean we're making about three thousand dollars a transaction wow. roughly. Three thousand thirty five hundred a transaction. But but as long for me I'm, I'm just a listing agent. Now that doesn't count like me doing any buyer referrals or doing buyer anything. That's just me personally and that's just mm-hmm. listings. And the reason why I've structured my business like that is so that I can go and do other things, you know. Right. Um it provides me like a great income for my area and I can live the lifestyle and stuff I want to and then I then I can have a lot of time where like last week we were in um we went to Tennessee for for a couple of days which turned into like 6 or 7 days and um business still operated without me being here. Right. And the reason it could do that was because I'm all listings, you know, um, so as long as I had, as long as I have showing time set up, I don't really even have to answer my phone or make a lot of calls unless somebody's got a contract for me. So, yeah. um, so that's really what my goal is in the business because I don't want to miss it. This is our first child. I don't want to miss anything with her growing up and stuff. Right. And, um, and I don't want to miss anything, especially right now because it's like every day she's changing a little bit, you know?
0: Oh yeah. And,
1: um, so, um, so, I've structured my business so that I could be there and I could be home and I could work from home and things like that more um, so that's what a lot of my that's how my what my goals for my business is right now, and it allows me to do other things like write books and do some coaching and things like that um that I really want to work on and and do interviews like this with you guys so yeah. um so in the way that you have to do that is you have to look at what your needs are and what needs you want the business to fulfill for you, you know. Mm-hmm. If you want to make a million dollars a year in the real estate business, you can do it. You just have to sit there, map it out, have a plan, and then have a schedule that fits that plan, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I, I actually 100% agree. It kind of goes with that consistency thing you were talking about. You can't be consistent without a consistent schedule.
1: Yeah. The the biggest problem I see most agents have is – um they don't have a schedule, and they just don't know what to do when they get to the office every day.
0: Yeah. Well, what's your daily schedule look like?
1: Um, My schedule is is typically I'm on the phone about 8 a.m., and I usually make calls from about 8 a.m. to about 10, 30, 11. Now, this is my ideal day. It's about 8 to about 10, 30, 11. Um, 11 to 12, I do paperwork and other things. About 12, I go to lunch, and then the afternoon, I go on appointments. And the thing is, if I haven't hit my appointment goal for the week or for the, the day, then I have. Then my job is, if I don't have an appointment, my job is to go look for an appointment.
0: Oh, all right. How do you do that? So it,
1: I get back on the phone. Oh, right. Nice. <laughs> and you know that's that's the the key is follow up really, but um, mm-hmm. I've been using X for probably ten years, mm-hmm. and um. The thing about Red X it, it, with their new system Vortex is that you can schedule those follow-ups. And you know, all I really have to do is open up my laptop. Open up my laptop, plug in my headphones and you know, push start, you know, on Storm Dollar and I just start making calls. So um so yeah, a lot of agents forget that too, that your job is if you if you don't have an appointment, your job is to go look for an appointment, you know. Yeah. We we only We only have two people we can really work with in the real estate industry. That's either buyers or sellers. Mm -hmm. You know, and, um, for me personally, I choose to work with, with sellers just because I can leverage my time so much. Right. You know, you can have, you can have 50 sellers you're working with and all of their houses can get shown today. But if you have 50 buyers, you can't even, you can't show them property probably all this week, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, seventy-five houses a year, how many of those are uh how many of those are FISBOs? Like how do you set up goals specifically for FISBOs? Or is it or are they just kinda of lumped in with the rest?
1: Um, honestly mine are kinda of lumped in with the rest. I really focus hard on four for sale owners are my first calls, like all my new four sale owners for the day. Right. And I think of my business like my initial calls, I think of it as a funnel. So when I'm going through when I'm going through my four sale owners, when I'm going through my new expires, and all that stuff' it's basically I'm dumping everybody into the top level of my funnel, mhm based on motivation and based on conversations, they kind of get moved to the next level, and then my follow up is working them through the funnel, and you know out comes a listing or a listing appointment hopefully hopefully a listing appointment and a listing but um but that's kind of how I set up my day. I call for sale of owners first, and that's like the first level of lead source for me. that's the okay. top level.
0: Gotcha. Uh, well, some people think there's like an opportune moment to call for the leads. Like, do you think that just at the beginning of the day or do you think right when you get that contact information or is there a better time?
1: Um, I think for me, it's as soon as I get their contact information. I mean, um, cool. I mean, I want to be first, right? Right. I mean, I don't, I don't care about being last, but I really want to be first and I want to be the first person to call them. I want to follow up with them because I don't want to let another agent get into our conversation. And Mm -hmm. what I, what I mean by that is that my first conversation when I talk to them, I talk to them about their house. I go down through my script and then I want to send them my pre-listing package. And my Uh pre-listing package is, um, it's really, it's, it just tells about me, my team and what we do to sell houses, right? That's my plan. That's my marketing plan. And I think it's really important that you get that to them like, as quick as you can. Like, any person you talk to about selling a house, you've got to send them your pre-listing package, your pre, um, pre-appointment package. And the mm-hmm. reason being is because 99% of the agents out there, and, and 99% of the agents listening to this call, they have nothing in writing that they can send a seller about what they're going to do to get their house sold. They have no mm-hmm. plan at all. And yeah. so, if I can get them my plan really quick, and then I can... I I usually, as soon as I, as soon as I email it to them, I send them a text, hey, I just want to make sure you got my email. The next day I f- I'm following up going, hey, do you have any questions about um the information that I sent you over about me and my team and what we do to sell houses? I want to make sure they get it and I want to make sure, sure they look at it as quickly as possible because once they see it, then they're going to start comparing all the other agents that call them to that, you know, do you have right. a marketing plan? And lots of times when they tell me they're already meeting another agent, I said, oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to send you over my marketing plan, and if you would, go ahead and ask for their marketing plan, too. That way, you can lay them side by side, you can just go with whoever you think's got the best plan. Ah, uh, um, and if they don't have I a
0: know, plan at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, then then lots of times, like 9.9 out of 10 times, very, very rarely does do they have a plan, but most of the time, the sellers say, oh, well, they said they don't have one, and my next response is, oh, my gosh. I hope they're just not going to stick a sign out in your front yard and hope for the best. You don't want that to happen, do you? And then I just go through and wow. set an appointment. Wow. And, um, and I feel like that is the, the number one tool in my toolbox. That's the thing that – I'll tell you, that's the thing that um, when I started getting really prepared with stuff like that, that's mm-hmm. the thing that changed my business.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I bet. And so I actually want to get a little more into that because I was actually watching your um, Becoming a Fisbo Master program. Uh, yeah. which I, I learned so much. Thank you so much for that. That was really awesome. And you you spent a lot of time talking about, you know, that package, that marketing package that you put together. So, um, But before we get into that a little more deeply, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how people stay motivated and just personal accountability and overcoming rejection. Um, you know, the things that build on the foundations that you establish in your business once you have your vision and goal set, so, you know, finding ways to stay accountable, motivated, and overcoming challenges along the way. Because before you get to that point where you're giving out your marketing package, you have to be motivated to get on the phone and talk to people. You have to get to the point where you're being consistent. And that means getting over that initial fear. And you mentioned that Mike Ferry and his training had like a big part in that for you, pumped you up, it got you on the phone without any fear. Oh.
1: Yeah, you know, back in um, back in 2003, 2004, uh, he was the. Um, I think it, him and Floyd Wickman were like the only two trainers I can remember. Um, Floyd had, I think it's called Star Power now. I think back then it was called. Um, I'm not even sure if Star Power was around, but it, it back then it was called Sweat Mhm.
2: And
1: um, going through that process and learning about getting on the phone and getting really good on the phone was a mm-hmm. big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Now, I I believe that um I believe that you got to have a set of goals, right? Yeah. And um Jack Jack Canfield talks Canfield talks about he's the chicken soup for the soul guy. Mm-hmm. Um he talks about uh in some of his recordings and speaking stuff. I've heard him talk about um having a list of um a gratitude list. Have you ever heard of that?
0: No. Tell me about that.
1: Okay, a gratitude list. Is a thing, things that you're grateful for, right? And you make a big list of things like, I'm grateful for Laura, I'm grateful for our baby, I'm grateful for our dog, I'm grateful for the place we live. You know, it is all these things, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That you're grateful for because, because, um, here's the thing that feeling of gratefulness and the feeling of fear can't really exist at the same time for you.
0: Interesting.
1: So, um, so if you go down through this list thinking about and reading out, Loud all the things that you're grateful for, then you can't be grateful and fearful at the same time. Wow. So, um, I've learned that from. Uh, I listen to a lot of stuff, but I really like Jack Canfield and I really like um, Tony Robbins and um, uh, and I uh-huh. think that's one of the things that like helps helps me at least get through that fear of getting on the phone and the fear of the initial dial, is mm-hmm. um that I have my goals that I that I re- I review my goals daily. Okay. Uh, and I think you gotta have a big gold list too, and you gotta put everything on it, no matter how like like small or stupid it seems. You know what I mean? Like if you want yeah. a new car, the new car needs to be on there. If you want to go on a trip, the trip needs to be on there. If you want to go, whatever you want to do needs to be on there, right? Yeah. And I think you have to do those things often because it it um steady pumps into your mind. This is why I'm doing this. I have to yeah. do this because I want that new car or. I want to go on that trip or I want to make sure that I get to take my kids to Disney World for Christmas. You know, things like that. Yeah. And um and you have to, you know, another useful tool that agents can use is is a list of fears. You know, the the truth is when you get on the phone um the person on the other phone, they can't eat you. Um they can't come through the phone and eat you. They're probably not they might Every now and then they might be mad at you. They're really not mad at you. They're mad at the situation they're in, um, right? And they're mad at the problem they have. But you know, chances are they're not going to recognize you in Walmart later today. You know? Yeah. Um, and they're probably not even going to know who you are if you call them back again tomorrow. That's the that's the funny thing because you know if you do have a lot of competition in your market, and um then you may have. Like, you know, you, there may be those days you call for a for sale owner and they have 20 people that they talk to. Yeah. But um, having that list of things that you're more afraid of than getting on the phone, like like for some people it might be you know their significant other, another I told you so, you know, like I told you it was this wasn't going to work. I told you you were going to fail. I told you this or that. It might be that you know, hey, if real estate doesn't work out for you, then you have to go back to working, you know, at Sears selling lawnmowers. You know. Um, yeah. For, for me, I mean, I, when I when I say this, I love my dad. My dad's a, a great person. Um, but when I was growing up, you know, with him being a contractor, if there was a house that need that somebody needed to get on top of, or a ditch that needed to be dug, or something you had to crawl under, I was that guy when I was sixteen. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That was my job for the day. And I went to college because I did not want to. I did not want to be a contractor like my dad. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go work with my dad. You know, after high school. So right. um you need that list of things that you're more afraid of too than getting on the phone. Right. And for a lot of us, we got in this business for one or two reasons. We either wanted more freedom, a freedom of schedule, or we wanted more money. And the thing is, if you're not if you're not making any money, you're not going to have very much freedom for long. Mhm. So not um, sure. so I believe that going. Going through those exercises, you know, that gratitude list. Going through that list, you know, making that list of 100 things you want, you know, um, and making that fear list. I believe once you do that, you're gonna you're gonna look at this whole thing and say, you know, maybe getting on the phone isn't really that bad, you know.
0: Right. Well, and all those things, all those things combined are a very profound motivator because it seems like it hits a lot of not not just you know material wants, but you know emotional wants, and so. I would imagine that that's a really profound type of motivation.
1: Of course. You know, um, role-playing, a lot of agents try to skip role-playing. Oh, I
0: was just about to talk about role-playing with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll let you ask your question then, and then we'll talk about role-playing.
0: No, no, it's true. I, I was actually just going to say you mentioned role play earlier and that it was helpful. Um, yeah. what, what do you think it is about role-playing that's just essential? Why, why do you think people need you to know, be employing this accountability
1: I think practicing is um I think practicing's really important because lots of times you know when you call in, when you call and talk to 100 sellers you're going to realize and ask the same questions to 100 sellers you're going to realize you're going to get a lot of the same answers it's just like when okay. you guys do surveys you know for rex and you send yeah. out a list you know after enough agents answer you realize a lot of agents just really have the same questions and um sellers are like this too. Sellers there's not a class or a webinar or anything that teaches sellers new objections to tell us, you know. Um yeah. sellers are using the same objections they today that they were when I first started in the business. Uh you know, I don't want to work with an agent. I don't want to work with an agent. Um I'll pay you if you bring me a buyer, and uh do you have a buyer today? You know, things like that. You know, sellers are asking those same objections. When I first started the business, they were asking the same ones 20 years ago. There's no new seller objections. Now, there's seller conditions. Sometimes there's a condition that may be affecting the property or the seller that is not really an objection. You know, Mm -hmm. like, for for example, Florida right now, there's going to be a lot of conditions in Florida that, yeah, they still want to sell their house, but last week they had a foot of water in it, you know?
2: Right, Um, yeah.
1: Condition. I mean, you can technically you could put their house on the market today, but it's not going to help the seller, and it's not going to help you as agents, you know? Right. Um, but role playing is a way to to build that muscle quickly and build it with another agent. The key is you got to both use the same script, and you you have to have a plan for role playing, you know? Um. And the thing is, it's the same conversation over and over again. You know, I, I'm um I read a lot. When people are doing something odd or different, you know, I, I usually go online, I look it up, and I try to figure out what it is. And one of the people that – um, I, I talked about this during one of my coaching calls recently. One of the people that I think is amazing at overcoming fear was Evil Knievel. Do you know who he is? Huh. Yeah. He,
0: he was
1: the big – he was the daredevil guy. He jumped yeah. the Grand Canyon and jumped all this stuff. Well, when you go and you look at Evil Knievel, like Evil Knievel, if he had to pick up the phone and call a hundred four self owners today, I'm sure he would have that same fear a brand new agent has. You know, mm-hmm. but the same fear that we'd have if we were going to get on a motorcycle and jump uh, you know, a big a big tank of sharks, you know. But mm-hmm. when you look at Evil Knievel's jumps and a lot of the things he did for promotions, you realize that even though it was a different object he was jumping, he was jumping the same distance. Right. Right. So, just um, because
0: there's a fiery so, hoop in the middle, <laughs> that's right. He was still jumping that
1: same however many feet.
0: Exactly. And the
1: reason the thing was, and the reason why he didn't fear, you know, the fire hoop or the sharks or jumping the buses, was because basically he had that same jump set up in his backyard that he'd done every day. Right? Yeah. And you know, just because there was a different object in the middle. It didn't really matter. It was the same distance. It was the same takeoff, the same landing, the same conditions. And these calls are that same way. You know, just because, you know, it's a house versus a condo or it's a hundred thousand dollar home versus a half million dollar home, it's still the same conversation. It's still the same list of questions. It's still the same conditions in your office and in your surroundings. You're making it in. So um I, I thought that was really interesting in it and um in an interesting way in role playing is that practice that helps you, that helps you keep overcoming that same distance every day?
0: Yeah, that's a really cool way of thinking about it too. Because so much of it is practicing. Even if you're just getting on the phone, um, that part of that consistency is yeah, you're not. They're not all going to be winners, but you're on the phone, and that is practice in and of itself.
1: Yep, that's right.
0: Uh, okay, so we're going to move into our final category, which I'm really excited about. Actually, having seen, like I said, becoming a physical master was just super interesting to me, and I love listening you talk about, you know, your different techniques and methods. So um, this is, like I said, it's about approaches, techniques, methods. Um, we're going to get into kind of the nitty-gritty of your unique rep- approach to prospecting, uh, specifically FISBOs. So these are the techniques and tools you've discovered that work to turn FISBO leads into FISBO listings. One thing I wanted to ask you about is scripts. Um, what kind of scripts do you use for Fizbo?
1: Um, I actually just use my own script. Um, it's actually in the back okay. of that book, how to be a physical master, but it's, um, it's really basic. It's really more of a conversation than it is a script. Um, mm-hmm. the key to scripts and the magic of scripts though, whether you're using mine or you're using, or you're using Mike Ferries or you're using one that, you know, you found on the internet somewhere or whoever mm-hmm. it is, the key to scripts is using the same one over and over again. Okay. And, um, the reason being is consistency thing it's consistency. Once you ask those those same you know five or ten questions to a hundred live people on the phone, you're gonna know all the answers to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And once you um once you've done that a hundred times, five hundred times, a thousand times, um mm-hmm. you're gonna build that you're gonna build that muscle. So you're gonna be able to respond quicker. You're gonna be able to anticipate the objections you're gonna get, and it just becomes magical really. And yeah. um the problem most agents have is they They'll find a script and they like it, right? And they use it for a week, but then they go on a Facebook group or a message board or somebody in their office says, Oh, I set four appointments last week and I'm using, you know, magic script number two from this website. And then they go, Oh, I got to use magic script number two too. So they switch scripts. So when they Uh. switch, though, they've got all different questions. They've got different answers to those different questions. Maybe they've got different objections. I mean, Uh. I've learned too that. A lot of agents are actually creating the objections. They're getting the objection they're having a problem with is one they're creating. And um, uh-huh. yeah, that's I think that's a big thing for us. Um, and the real, uh, you know, a big thing learning about telephone prospecting is um, sticking to the script so that you don't create an objection that's not really there. You know what I mean?
0: Right, right. And I You're, and people people seem to have a lot of just going by the questions they received. A lot of people have issues sounding genuine. I'm sure it doesn't help when you're trying to read through a brand new script and you're met with these questions that you didn't anticipate.
1: That's right. And one of the biggest ones, I'll I'll tell you one of the biggest ones is um, agents will ask and they'll say, oh, what's a good time for us to meet? And the the seller on the other end of the phone says, oh, I don't know. I have to talk to my wife and get back to you. And then you end up hanging up the phone and they're not going to call you back right but they probably don't have your number they probably lost your number as soon as you hung up so where if the if the agent would have just said hey i can fit you in my schedule tuesday at 2 i might stop by and take a look at your house tuesday at 2 um you're not getting a lot of choices you know like when you call the dentist when you call the dentist office they're not telling you hey just just come on by when you feel like it you know they're setting an appointment with you and putting you in a time slot and we need to treat our business the same way and set appointments and put time slots. But that's probably the biggest objection I see agents creating it is we go, oh, what's a good time? What's a good time for me to stop by? Mm-hmm. And the person says, I don't know. I got to talk to my wife. I will have to call you back. And then they just never call you back. You know?
0: Yeah, you're giving them an out.
1: Yeah, you sure are
0: do you use a different script when you follow up on FISBOs or how how do you go how do you go about following up on FISBOS?
1: Follow up for me is um I believe you gotta have a follow up process. And I, I think that um where a lot of agents fail if uh if you if you read um have you ever read The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes?
0: I I can't say I have.
1: <laughs> okay, um Chet Holmes, I was, uh, Chet,
0: Holmes.
1: <laughs> Chet Holmes was the sales manager for um, for uh, a lot of the companies that Berkshire Hathaway owns. He um, he worked for Charlie Munger. Char- Charlie Munger is uh, Warren Buffett's partner. So mm-hmm. um, this is one of the top – Ched Holmes, he passed away a few years ago, but he was one of the top sales trainers in the country for general business stuff. And one of the things he said that he learned when he worked for Charlie Was that for high end, high ticket sales? It took a minimum of six to eight follow up attempts. So, Mm -hmm. a lot of the companies that he was managing the sales process for, for Berkshire Hathaway, they were coming up with sales processes that would take, that were actually 15 to 17 follow ups, not just six or eight. Mm -hmm. And um, there's another meme that goes around that says like 80% of sales are made after, I think, the 12th follow up. And so most agents, my follow-up process is pretty detailed. Mm-hmm. And um I like to follow up around holidays, I like to follow up around specific things. Uh, but every time I follow up, I try to give some information of value. So I'm not just calling up and saying, Hey, Mr. Seller, Jason again, how about listing today? You know? Um, mm-hmm. I try to follow up with some motivating factor like, Hey, Mr. Seller, this is Jason Morris. I've seen where You know, gosh, I've seen where two homes have went under contract last week in your neighborhood. You know, I know you wanted 150,000 for yours. Looks like one of these is pending at 155 and one's pending at 145. With the available inventory, you know, it's a really good time to get it on the market. Are you ready for me to start working for you? Can I meet you on Saturday? You know, so I try to follow up with something of value, then set an appointment. And I try to follow up. Sometimes, sometimes I'll follow up until like. the person either just um uh, their phone's disconnected, um, they they verifiably sold their house or
0: mm-hmm.
1: I guess they die. I don't know what happens. But um
0: <laughs> stick with it the to thing the
1: end is follow up's the key though. You know, the amount yeah. of appointments I on the very first call is very small. Uh-huh. You know, typically yeah. typically by the time I get to their house and we're signing a listing paperwork, I mean it's probably eight to twelve follow ups.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um the thing is, most agents they give up after two or three, you know, if if they even go two or three, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that's the key to it. I think that's where a lot of agents are failing is they don't have that follow up system in place, and they don't have a documented follow up. So right. maybe they know what to do on follow up number two or follow up number three, but they don't know what to do on follow up number ten. That's one of the mm-hmm. problems. And then a uh, lot of times. Um, I see where agents they set their follow ups too far out, so like let's say, for example, you know you're you're a for sale owner mm-hmm. and I talk to you today, and I try to set an appointment for you on Saturday, and you tell me, Oh, Jason, I'm sorry, you know Saturday's really busy for me. um, I'm really busy, you know, how about give me a call next week? Most mm-hmm. agents just wait until Tuesday and Wednesday to call you back um where where I've been different is it's thi it's Friday. You know, yeah. so I'm on the phone with you. I'm going ahead I'm going ahead and getting your email address. I'm sending you my pre listing package. I'm sending you a text to make sure you got it. I'm going to go ahead and follow up with you again tomorrow and just say, Hey, hey, this is Jason. I sent you over information yesterday. I just wanted to make sure you got it. Um and I want to see if you had any questions about the stuff I sent you. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. And answer whatever questions they have. Um, usually on Sundays I don't do a whole lot on Sundays. That's usually my day that I Nothing, but um, mm-hmm. then on Monday I'll follow up with you again Monday morning and go, mm-hmm. hey Mr. Scheller, Jason Morris again. I just want to give you a call. I, was, I I know you wanted me to call you again on Tuesday or Wednesday this week, but um, I was looking down through stuff that I that we had going on, and my office did this or this is what happened over the weekend. This mm-hmm. is what come on the market or went off the market over the weekend. I wanted to see if we'd go ahead and set up an appointment for for Tuesday or Wednesday. I could meet you either afternoon. I could meet you at 4 o'clock on Tuesday or 6 o'clock on Wednesday. And a lot lot of agents just, they don't have anything in between there. Mm -hmm. So somebody else gets involved in the conversation, and then by Tuesday or Wednesday, they forgot about you, you know. So um, so my follow-up process is pretty aggressive and pretty detailed.
0: Mm -hmm. Is that how – like say you encounter a physical lead, and you know they they can be pretty stubborn, they say, "No, I don't need your help i i you know I can sell my own home what what do you how do you deal with that circumstance? do you use that follow up to kind of you know convince them that they need you? how do you prove your value to them like do you, you we know, like um, mentioned lifting presentations for instance
1: sometimes they have to fail um sometimes what of the The greatest questions I think I ask people, and I always find it kind of humorous on my end, is, um, I find sometimes, sometimes making these calls is almost therapeutic and and humorous for me. They'll say, I don't, I don't need an agent. I don't want an agent. And my, my response is, okay, that sounds great, but hey, you do want to sell your house, right? Mm -hmm. And I confirm they want to sell their house, and then I just go right back into my script. Um, one of the biggest things, though, that, that agents need to do, and, this is something I've learned over the years, is eliminate the word listing from your vocabulary when talking to sellers. Oh, all right. Um, the reason why is, I mean, that's really just industry slang. You know, you know, we use it in the real estate industry. You guys use it when you talk to agents. But really outside of our industry, the, the word, oh, let me list your house or let's take a listing, that's really – it really doesn't mean anything. But to the general public, for some reason, that's like a bad word now. So, if we replace that, that whole listing word, um, with, let me sell your house, um, Mm -hmm. I can sell your house, you know, and we, we got to speak it with confidence, though. It's about posturing. You know, it's about having confidence in yourself and what you're doing. You know what I mean? And it's got to shine through, you know, do you want to list, do you want to, do you want to sell your house or do you want to list your house with an agent that goes, hey, Mr. Seller, let me list your house, please? Or do you want to list your, your house with the guy that says, hey, I can sell your house. This is what my plan is. Let me send you over my plan. Um, this is what we're going to do. Boom, boom, boom. You know, which one do you really want to go with?
0: Right. That's true. That's very true.
1: So, yeah, we, we have to, like, as an industry, or or to be really successful on the phone, we have to get rid of that word listing when we're talking to the general public.
0: And just say sell. I want to sell your house with confidence.
1: I sell your house. Yes. I yeah. can sell your house. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to list your house. I want to sell your house.
0: Having, you know, uh, interviewed others and, you know, being in, just working in the Red X, I've, I, I talked to a lot of agents, but you're really one of the only ones I know who really talks about the difference between kinds of objections. So um, you there's an objection and there's a condition and That's I believe and then uh, conditions can also be objections uh, so what can you can you tell like the agent who doesn't know the difference could you can you kind of educate well, us a little bit on how you differentiate conditions and objections and how you, know, you deal with them
1: lots of times an objection is more or less a smokescreen right it's something uh-huh. that they're that a seller would tell you just to get you off the phone, just to get you to quit calling. And most agents do. Most of the time, their objections are really successful. You know, like, like, oh, just bring me a buyer and I'll pay you a commission. Or, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to work with agents. I don't want to work with agents. You know, or they put in their ad, no agents, please. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's an objection. It's just a smokescreen. It's something to get you off the phone. It's something to, that where they're just just not going to be bothered with you or they hope they're not going to be bothered with you. Yeah. A condition is something that's usually valid. Um, that's really a circumstance that is preventing them from meeting with you. Like, like for example, Florida, um, there's a lot of houses that were flooded. So if you call a for sale owner you talked to three weeks ago and they say, Hey, I can't really meet you today. My house needs some work. Um, their house probably does need some work. They just had a major yeah. hurricane. <laughs> And most of the place flooded. Like we had a hurricane Matthew last year, and there was a guy that um, I ended up listing his house, listing his house, and selling it. But um, I met him before the hurricane, and we had set up a plan to meet afterwards. And I called him to confirm, and and he tells me he said, "Hey Jason, you know I I'd love for you to come out and get my house on the market, but about half my shingles are missing." And really, that that's a situation that I could have listed his house that day, but. It wasn't going to look good in MLS to take a picture of a house that's missing half its shingles, you know? Right. Um, that's really a condition. Um, sometimes it's illness. Sometimes it's, you know, hey, they really do have, they really are going to be at work at 10 a.m. They really did get called into work today, you know, things like that. Um, sometimes those are conditions that, you know, the only thing yeah. you can really do is just follow up again tomorrow, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Objections, um, sometimes with objections, you know, a lot of agents try to think there's going to be a magic phrase or a magic question to overcome objections. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes with these objections, you respond to it and then you just go back to your script. You know, mm-hmm. um, fight
0: the pushback.
1: Yeah, you just fight the pushback. Oh, I don't want to work with agents. Oh, okay, well you do want to sell your house, right? You had a for sale mm-hmm. sign out in front. You know, mm-hmm. I saw it yeah. Craigslist, go wherever it came from. Right. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so. Lots of times you make a statement about the the objection or ask a question about the objection, and then you just continue on the script.
0: So it gives you something to hold on to.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the thing, too, is even if you don't set an appointment today, hopefully you asked enough questions where you can gauge motivation, and then you can call back again tomorrow or the next day or something based on that motivation – um, mm-hmm. a lot of agents just hear the objection and go, "Oh, they don't want to work with us," or they know somebody in the business. That's a, that's a great when they say, "Oh, well, I got a friend that's an agent." Oh, well, that sounds great. Who's your friend? Oh, that's great. That's great. Do they sell real estate full time? That's fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me send you over my free listing package, pre appointment package, and you just continue right on into your script. You know, um, chances are exactly. they told the last five agents that called they had a friend in the business, mm-hmm. but yet. Maybe it's a church friend or maybe it's a work friend that did real estate five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every now and then I'll get one that it, that it tell me an agent that I actually know, <laughs> but, but generally, um, even if they give you an agent name, sometimes they're not in the business. Sometimes they're part time. Sometimes they're, uh-huh. you know, I'm not hating on yeah. part time agents. I started out part time too, but, but, um, but you know, sometimes it's just, It's just an excuse they've given everybody and the person on the phone basically hung up and didn't call back.
0: Yes, and you just want to push through that.
1: Of course. You just want to push through that.
0: And you want to get them to a point where, and, you know, if I'm putting words in your mouth, let me know, but where you have Uh, that listing presentation in front of them.
1: Yes, you do. Um, You know, the the thing uh, the point that a lot of agents and I'm guilty of this in the past too. Um, try to list the house on the phone, right? They try to list the person's house on the phone and get them to commit to listing on the phone. And, but the thing is, you can't really do that. The thing that you got to do on the phone is you got to get them to commit to an appointment with you, and then you have to list the house through your listing process and system. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's where a lot of agents fail too. They try to over qualify the appointment.
0: Uh, how could they, how could they avoid doing that?
1: Um, well, on the phone, you know, the, the big thing that you want to, the big things you want to gauge is you want to gauge motivation, you want to price, um, condition, mm-hmm. you know, and then set an appointment, right? So if their motivation is a, a six or seven, um, their price is a reasonable price and the condition of the house sounds reasonable for the price they're asking. You know that that's actually a pretty qualified appointment. You know, yeah. um, where some agents they get down to the end and you see some of these scripts and they go, "So, if um, if I came out and you like what I had to tell you, would you go ahead and put your house on the market today? You know, or would you, if you like what I tell you, would you go ahead and sign, would you go ahead and sign a um, listing agreement with me today? Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, sometimes on the phone they just over qualify. I mean, they try to over qualify the appointments, so what ends up happening is they don't set any appointments. Because yeah. 99% of the time the seller's not going to commit to you on the phone.
0: Right. All right. Well, then that's a good thing to look out for. Uh and you know, it seems like one of those methods that you can employ that just automatically elevates you over a lot of different real estate agents.
1: Of course. Especially in a saturated market. It's like this too. I mean, would you rather go on ten appointments and get three or four listings, or go on, you know, one appointment and get one this week? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, quality and quantity, as they say. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're in, a, we're in a business that's like it's, it's kind of like um, you can relate it to baseball, right? Yeah. So if you're a baseball player and you go to bat ten times and you and you get on base three out of those ten times, you're a superstar, right? Yeah. If you get on, four out of ten times you're going to be in the hall of fame okay Mm -hmm. in the real estate industry we go on ten listing appointments and get two or three and make a really good living you know of course you want to get more than that you know but you don't have to get every one but what you need you need at bats to be able to get hits you got to get at bats you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah uh Thank you for sharing that with us. I think that's a really unique perspective on just like how because it's a numbers game, and a lot of people disagree on how that works for them. But I I tend to lean on where where you're going there, quality versus quantity.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this this quick story here. I, I had this agent that um they messaged me through Facebook. They told me they needed some help, and I set up a call with them. And they told me that they went on like they went on like 250 listings. Appointments. They went and seen 254 cell owners hmm. and expired. and they um, they said, "Yeah, but I only I only listed and sold um, 40 of them." And they're, I mean, they were in a market where the average price is like $300,000. And I said, "Man, actually," and they were talking about what what can I do next year to get more? And I'm going, "Dude, um, you should probably try to go on another 250, list another 40, and sell them." You know? Um, yeah. that's fantastic. You know, you guys, you guys, your average listing, you made three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for us commission. Um, we forget sometimes that um, we're not going to get everyone. Not every person's going to want to work with you. You know what I mean? And you yeah. pick and choose. And honestly, you know, when you get really good on the phone you get really good in a presentation, you pick and choose the ones that you want to work with. You know?
0: Yeah, that's just like another thing to motivate you to look forward to. Add it to your yeah. your motivation of course. list. Of course like when you get really good at a job you get to do your own hours and all that that's right <laughs> something I'm really excited to get into with you because I, I was actually when like I said when I was watching your training this piqued my interest um, and I when I found out I was going to be interviewing you I got really excited to discuss this with you um, what do you think an excellent listening presentation needs to look like and how do you prepare it you already talked about why they're so important they give you a leg up but say an agent is listening to that and goes, Oh, well dang it, I I need to get to work on that. Where should they start and what should that look like?
1: Man, um gosh, we could do another hour on listing presentation. Um well, I believe that I believe that we've got like several different parts to listing presentation. I think there's four four parts is kinda of what I broke mine down into so that I could um train other agents and show other agents it. Um The number one part is actual the listing presentation, what you do when you get there um mm-hmm. what you do before you get there and what you do when you get there and I believe that I believe that your your listing presentation starts before you get to the house um I make sure every appointment I go on I make sure that they got my pre appointment package or my free listing package. I make mm-hmm. sure that they got that. I confirm they've got it I've already called asked if they had any questions. And um, then, basically, I show up to the house, and you gotta show up early. You know, if you show up 15 minutes late, that's a problem. I mean, their first thought is, "Oh my God, Jason's 15 minutes late." Is the mm-hmm. guy 15 minutes late to everything? You know, yeah, is it's he bad always he late? Yeah, I mean, it's bad first impression. So I always try to show up about 10-15 minutes early. Um, I usually. I usually pull into the driveway, I flip through, flip through my papers and I, my notes and stuff and I show up like extremely, extremely prepared. Like I got okay. the paperwork, I got it filled out. I don't do digital. Okay. When I go on listing appointments and I'm meeting face to face, I don't mm-hmm. do digital because I feel like it takes away from the sales process. Mm-hmm. And in my, in my area, the demographics a little bit older and they're a little bit less tech savvy. And you know, let's face it, like, I knew, I knew you guys are a technology company. And, um, so I mean, you guys have, I mean, everybody has an iPad, everybody has a laptop, a smartphone, you know, all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. For yeah. But your, your average client that's, say, like my parents' age, late 50s, early 60s, um, going through paperwork on an iPad is going to be a little bit difficult for them.
0: Yeah. I still yeah. have to show my mom how to, like, you know, press the red, the red X on the corner to make the page go away. So,
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, so I print all my stuff out. I show up with it all filled out. It's highlighted everywhere they need to the initial and sign. I always take a net sheet with me. Um, mm-hmm. and my pricing strategy. Um, I never hear people talk about pricing strategy, and when I started talking about it, um, I got some weird pushback and stuff. But I don't use a typical pricing strategy. I price based off actives versus
2: Souls,
1: hmm so, um, so we can get to that in just a second. Um, so I always show up a little bit early. I walk through the house with them, asking them to give me the tour. Um, I, I see a lot of agents, and they say, oh, I want to look at the house by myself. I don't do that. You know, everything we do is building trust. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And I don't really trust you to, you know, somebody I don't know to knock on my door and say, hey, let me look around your house by myself. You know, I'm not comfortable <laughs> Right. You know, you think about it. Everybody's the same. You know, how do you feel if, you know, knock on your door today and say, hey, you know, oh, uh, let me look around your house by myself. Very oh, You're not cute. going to be comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. So I always ask them to give me the tour. I always point out anything that I think is a problem. You know, if it's a stain on the ceiling, I'm asking, hey, do you guys have a roof leak? You know, if it was fixed, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we need to do something with that. Anything I think is going to be a problem for a buyer or that a buyer would say. And I always, I never point out anything without offering a suggestion. And I always see, I always talk about we when we mm-hmm. do this, when we bring fire, when we do you know, when we do that. And so um for me, as soon as I finish the tour, I always ask, I always this is my phrase, I say, um, I say, Mr. Seller, um, I always do a lot of research before I come on these appointments. How about if we sit at your kitchen table and I just show you what I found out? And they're all, I've never had anybody tell me, no, I don't want to see it, you know. Um, and I always sit at the kitchen table. I usually like sit at the end of the table and I want to sit in the middle. That way, the, um, the husband and wife, if there's a husband and wife, the husband and wife can both, I can see both of their reactions when I'm going down through Mm -hmm. stuff. And then I can easily go down through it where both of them can see it, you know. So I don't like the whole thing where I'm sitting on one side of the table and they're sitting on the other. You know, I feel like it's a separation. A separation between the two of us, yeah. You know? I want to sit, I want to sit beside them, you know. Um, yeah. But I always, the first thing I go down through is my net sheet. Now, my net sheet, I have three columns. I have the high column, the middle column where I want it to be priced at, and then I have the high column. So a low, medium, and high. And the net sheet, it, it's pretty basic. I don't, I don't care about what their mortgage is. I want to show them what they're going to walk away with after real estate commissions and common charges. So mm-hmm. common charges, meaning uh title company, attorney company, you know, right. in my area, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty, um, it's pretty normal. The seller pays for the, the termite inspection. So I always put that in there for like a hundred bucks and I always mm-hmm. put a thousand dollar miscellaneous line. So I go down through the basic charges of what it's going to cost for me to sell your house. And then, um, Typically, based on my phone conversation, one of those columns is going to line up with what they're looking for for their house. Or mm-hmm. in a perfect world, it's going to be pretty close. You know, if they want 100000 for it, maybe there's a column that's got a hundred and two. maybe there's a column that's got ninety eight. you know.
2: Mm-hmm. But it's
1: going to line up pretty close with what they, they have to say. I circle the number that's closest to what they want in their pocket. I look at them both and I go, hey, guys. So if you guys, I know you guys wanted a hundred thousand um, dollars. If we put it on the market for a hundred nine nine, that's going to net you about a hundred and two thousand after everything. Would that be acceptable for you? And then I just wait for them to answer. Um, I always go down through my active pricing strategy too, and I show them how I came up with that number and how I'm justifying that number. And have you ever heard that an active price? You might have heard about it by becoming a FISBO Master Program.
0: Yes, that is where I've heard it.
1: So to explain to everybody that's listening, what I do is I pull a list of comparables that are actually active comparables that are on the market today. You know, it's Mm -hmm. what would a buyer today looking in their area that wants, say, for example, a three bedroom, two bath with a two car garage, what would they have to choose from in that area? And basically, um, you know, it's kind of simple. It's supply and demand, really. You know, if the house they want isn't available for the price they want, they have to do one of two things. They either have to wait or they have to go to a new area. You know, it's the same way if you want to buy bed sheets, you know, and you go in JC And
0: mm-hmm.
1: if the sheets aren't available for the price that you want to pay, you've got one of two options. You either have to wait until they go on sale or go to another store.
0: Right, right.
1: And so homes are the same way. If they want to be in this one school district or they want to be in this one part of town, um and there isn't a three-bedroom, two-bath that's available for the price they want to pay. They they either have to continue renting or look in a different area. Mm-hmm. And so I price with that in mind, and you can do that price on a in an upward scaling market or a downward scaling market. Say if there's ten comparables, I want to be like in the bottom, like two or three or four, and I want to be able to show them why you know why those other five or six are better and more expensive, and why those three or four. Are cheaper, you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. they don't have a screened-in porch. Maybe, you know, you know their house is on a great lot, and the other house they're competing with is on a really kind of crappy lot, you know.
2: Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. they're on
1: a pond, or they got a beautiful view of the golf course. So, um, so I want to be able to explain to them why their house is greater or less than the other houses on the market.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: um, the last part of my presentation, you know, uh. I explain my pricing strategy, go through my net sheet, and then, um, as long as everybody's happy with the price, happy with what I've told them that far, I always tell them, hey guys, well, I brought all the paperwork with me. I already got it filled out. Let me go down through it with you real quick. And I think this is a point that a lot of agents, um, this is where they, they mess up. Okay. Especially yeah. new agents. hmm. Is our, our, my listing paperwork here is 10, 11 pages. And I think in most of the country, it's around that 10 to 12 pages. Well, mm-hmm. When you go to your broker classes, the broker reads the paperwork word for word and tells you all the scary stories that maybe happened one time in the history of South Carolina real estate. (laughs) And then a lot of these, a lot of newer agents especially, they show up and they go down through the paperwork word for word and they tell those same scary stories that happened one time in the history of South Carolina real estate. So, and then then the seller looks at them and their eyes are like glazed over and they look at their wife and they're like, we got to think about this and get back to you. Yeah. You know, we forget that the this is a legal document. Yeah. yeah. We forget this is a legal document. And what you need to do is you actually need to role play and script out your paperwork too, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you oh, need to wow, do it really? in a way – yes, you need to do it in a way that that you're explaining it like on a third-grade level. Not because Not because I believe your clients are stupid – But because I believe that your clients need to feel comfortable with the paperwork they're signing and feel comfortable that you know what's in the paperwork they're signing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, Yeah,
0: and I imagine they don't want to feel like they're being tricked.
1: They want to make sure that everything's like what you say it is. And um, I've seen a lot of agents like in my market where I've went on listing appointments with newer agents and stuff – and, you know, I would let them take the lead and kind of take the ball and roll with it. We're getting to the listing paperwork. Everything's going great. And they're going down the listing paperwork and I'm looking at them going, oh my God, have they even ever, have they ever read this thing before? Um, <laughs> you know, they have no clue what this says. You know, we got three, four, three or four forms we use all the time. I, you know, and that's the thing. We only have like, you know, if you're using zip forms, like in the state of South Carolina, we have like a hundred forms of zip forms. But the truth mm-hmm. is, we only use like three or four of them regularly. The other mm-hmm. ones are for like extreme circumstances. Maybe you use them one time a year. A lot of them yeah. I probably never use. So you only have to get really good at explaining those three or four forms.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? So um, it's not a big deal. But I think a lot of agents, that's where they mess up. You know, they're they're a great person. They're really likable. They just done a great presentation. Everybody likes what they said. Then they get to the paperwork, and the seller's going, oh, wow, wow, that's – you know, there's a lot of big, scary words in there.
0: Right, right. Like, oh, geez, that's – it's a commitment. That's that's the oh, closing yeah. sale.
1: Well, you know, too, in, in all of our forums here, and I think it's like this in other states, too, we have, like, a two-inch paragraph that tells about the sex offender list. Okay, mm-hmm. and all that two-inch paragraph says is if you're concerned about the sex offender list, there's a place you can go out there and check check for it. You can get a list. Okay. I've actually had sellers where I've emailed them over the paperwork and they okay. call me back going, "Hey, I can't verify. I can't guarantee there's not a sex offender in the community." And then I have to that's, you know, that's what they got out of that 2-inch paragraph.
2: Mm-hmm. They don't
1: have to guarantee anything. It just means, "Hey, if you're concerned about it, there's a list out there." You know, mm-hmm. so um you know, our clients just aren't used to reading the legal documents, you know. And, mm-hmm. and You know, your everyday life, a normal average person doesn't look at these forms every day. It's probably the first right. time they've ever seen it. So.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, it's true. And it, 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 it seems like overall it just pays to be prepared. It pays to practice every element of what you're doing, and it seems like that's a really big part of your listing presentation is just knowing exactly what you're going to say, when you're going to say it, and being Comforting and of building trust, rather than kind of building that divide through fear or yeah, misunderstanding.
1: you have to uh, you, know, you have to script it out. You have to practice it. You have to practice your dialogues. I mean, when I first when I first come up with this, I'll tell you, when I first started going on like a lot of listing appointments when I got first got back into the business um, and started actively, when I got rid of my team and I first started saying, "Hey, I want to list on a big level." Um, one of the things that would happen to me is I would go to people's houses and they would they would love me, you know. I'd tell mm-hmm. jokes and I'd talk to them about the grandkids and you know we'd have mm-hmm. a fantastic time. And then we would get to the end of the appointment, they wouldn't list with me, and then two weeks later I'd see their house on MLS with somebody else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the thing is, what I didn't realize was a listing appointment isn't a social visit, isn't a social call. You know, mm-hmm. it's like going to see your doctor. You know, you might know your doctor and they might really like you and you might really like them. Mm -hmm. However, you're only at the doctor's office because you got a sore throat and they're only Mm -hmm. there to help you because you're paying them, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing about a listing appointment. They're only letting us come to their house because they want to sell their house and they believe that maybe we can bring them a buyer. And the truth Mm -hmm. is we're only there because we're getting paid, you know? Um, Yeah. Or we are hopefully we're gonna get paid. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. And everybody uses a script. Like if you go visit if, if you need to make an appointment with an attorney and you go in there and sit in his office, you're not just gonna hang out for two hours. He's gonna have a script, he's gonna have a list of questions, he's gonna to follow to figure mm-hmm. out more about your problem. A doctor the same way, a dentist the same way, you know what I mean? And yeah. as professionals real estate agents, we should be the same way. I mean, um, I mean, I'd go on these hour and a half, two hour appointments. It would be, honestly, they'd be exhausting, you know? And and when I realized this, that I was doing this, um, and I needed to cut this down, you know, I I, I had a guy that was a friend of mine that was listening on a big level. And he told me, he goes, man, you need quick no's. (laughs) You know, (laughs) if they tell you no, you just get up and leave. And so what I started doing was I was actually timing myself on appointments for a while. And... um, Trying to get my whole appointment from the moment I got out of the car to the moment I was getting back into the car to be, like, 30 minutes.
0: Oh, wow. So, the 30 yeah,
1: minutes is your very goal? Uh, yeah, 30 minutes is my goal. Well, they already know what we're going to do to sell their house because we already sent them our pre-listing appointment. And we verified it two or three times. They looked at it. So, I mean, they mm-hmm. already know what we do to sell houses. We're just going through how did we come up with, you know, is the house what you say it is? You know, mm-hmm. here's how I can get that number for you. And here's what we need to do next. Here's the paperwork. I mean, that's really the only purpose.
0: Yeah. It's it more efficient, saves up more time for you to yeah. do your job. It's like when, if, if a salesman comes to my door, uh, I I get exhausted, too, talking to them. So I imagine, you know, and I know not everybody's like that, but it, it seems likely to me that they also would appreciate a short, concise, productive visit.
1: Of course, of course. There's only one reason they're letting you come It's because they think you can sell their house.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so, so your only job uh, is to tell them how you can sell it. Tell them what your plan is.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, and that and that not only makes you a a better agent compared to other agents, but it just makes the whole process for you and for the seller a lot more painless.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, it does.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. That's. It's just one of those things that I think makes you a very unique um, prospector is just your efficiency and how you time yourself and how you practice and just that preparation because that's so important. I I find that in all the time I've worked here, um, our most successful prospectors have a system and they are consistent. They are incredibly consistent and they all push the same thing. However they're doing it, whatever method they're employing, consistency just seems to be so important in the process. Uh, so I just had a couple of questions for you uh, towards the end here. Uh, do you have any tools, programs, or software that you recommend that people employ?
1: I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I've actually been to the Red X headquarters. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been a, met a, I met met everybody there. I met Mark and Curtis, and everybody's really great and friendly. And when they, they explained their timeline, I think I was one of the first 500 subscribers to Red X. And, I, I um, believe so. And when you guys came out with Vortex, I think Vortex for expires and for sale owners, I really think it's really the only CRM that I need or I use. Um, oh, wow. I subscribe to Realty Juggler, and mm-hmm. I use Google Calendar a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But for for a lot of my business, um, where I'm doing expires and for sale owners, I'm only using the software that you guys have. And I use um, I'm a pretty avid uh, I write stuff down, so uh, spiral <laughs> a spiral notebook. A spiral notebook is probably my. I'm other, actually the other same way. Tool, you know. Yeah, of, I have one right agents, in front of me. Yeah, a lot of us, you know, a lot of agents they get legal pads, but legal pad, you know, you're folding the page over, it's going to tear out. The spiral notebook, mm-hmm. it doesn't tear out, so mm-hmm. that's that's probably like the number one tool. Like if you guys quit with Vortex today, I'd probably just get a spiral notebook. Um, what I learned though in my business was that. A lot of the technology that I've been using before with CRMs and stuff. Honestly, a lot of it for prospecting was just bogging me down. You know, mm-hmm. I've spent so much time like having to, up, I'd spend an hour updating some days my CRM and that could have been another 30, 45 minutes to an hour of being on the phone and making more calls.
0: Right. You know? So I'm,
1: yeah. So I'm, I'm really protective over that, um, that time and I want to, and my business is so it's so simple and streamlined. When I when I first started telling agents, they'd ask me if I was using a CRM, and they wanted to know if I was using something like really fancy, you know, that was really expensive. Um, but I, but honestly, I'm mostly a notebook.
0: Yeah, Most, no, mostly
1: a notebook. That's all you need.
0: No, it's true. I I do the same thing. I actually keep a little a little uh, grid notebook with me, a little leather bound. I take it everywhere, even when I'm not working. Just so I can write the things one. down and remind myself. Of, yeah, it's it's really efficient, and, and writing things down help you remember them. So,
1: you know what? And Google Calendar is fantastic too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's everywhere with me. It's on my computer. It's on my phone. It's everywhere. Um, I've been using Google Keep a lot too. I don't know if you use that. No,
0: um, tell me about that.
1: It's kind of like um, it's kind of like Evernote, but it's a Google product. So it oh, integrates okay. with all your other stuff like pretty seamlessly. Oh, great. And um, I use that to make lists and stuff too, because I'm a, I'm a big list taker, a to do list mm-hmm. taker, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it's satisfying to have something to tick off as you go through the day. <laughs> yeah, once
1: you check it off and get to the next. Yeah,
0: one. there's a there's a sense of like, uh, I don't know, a victory. You're just like, ha ha, <laughs> and that right. one more down. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, so you mentioned, uh, so you mentioned the. Uh, your your own book, of course, uh, which I I really want uh, people to have access to. I want to put a link in here so they can see what you're talk what we're talking about. Um, but you also mentioned Chad Holmes, Mike Ferry. Are there any other people, blogs, or books that you would recommend um, as resources?
1: I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. Um, I tell people all the time, "Personal Power." Too, I believe it changed my life going through that program. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. I really like Jim Rohn. I really like Les Brown. I really like Zig Ziglar. Um, I like a lot of motivational speakers. As far as books, I think that Ultimate Sales Machine by Chad Holmes, um, Mm -hmm. reading through that book, I probably read that book 10 times. My copy's got notes in the, notes in the, in the um, margin and pages folded over and it looks horrible. It looks like it should be thrown away, but, um, (laughs) I'm the same way with my books. <laughs> the book has so many ideas in it. It's like every time I've read through it, I've got a different idea. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a must read for real estate agents. Um, gosh, I really like YouTube. I listen to a lot of YouTube stuff.
0: Oh, but, YouTube. I, I thought you meant the band YouTube. I was like, I, yeah, sure. Motivation nah, music. Nah, YouTube. <laughs>
1: YouTube. Um, you know what? I YouTube everything and everybody, and I like mm-hmm. keynote speakers. Um, yeah. I like, I like Gary Vaynerchuk, um, and gosh, another, another book was, um, Grinding It Out. Have you heard that? That's a Ray Kroc story. I just made a movie about it. That, that was the first book. Um, it made me realize that, you know, like I was always looking for like an easy way to do something. This was when I, when I had a real estate team and I was trying to figure, I was working really hard trying to figure out how to not work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and the Ray Kroc story, Grinding It Out, that book, when you when you read it's it's different than the movie. The movie's really good too. Um but the uh the book, you know, you see the pain, and you see the stuff he went through and you see like how hard this guy worked to make McDonald's what it is today. You know what I mean? And um Oh,
0: oh, oh, oh are you talking about the founder?
1: Yes, the founder. Yes,
0: yes, yeah, I've seen book, that movie actually called, just recently.
1: Yeah, the book's called Grinding It Out. And, um, yeah, and it's, um, it's pretty unbelievable when you see the way this guy worked and you see, like, the, what he done to get, make McDonald's successful,
2: mm-hmm. you know?
1: And it made me kind of realize that, like, like I see a lot of people trying to use ISAs. The biggest thing realtors try to do is they're trying to get off the phone, right? And um, the problem with using an ISA, and, I mean, I've tried this extensively, is that there's a big disconnect from your system and the ISA system, you know? Um, it's mm-hmm. hard to make it affect. It's hard to make an effective transition to, you know, hey, you're talking to Sue on the phone and she's really nice and she sounds really cute and she sounds great. And then Tom, mm-hmm. you know, Tom shows up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's hard to make that transition sometimes. And Tom's a little more rough around the edges and a little more harsh. You know, he's going to tell yeah. you mean things about your house. And um, and I see a lot of agents trying to do that. And I don't think. It's not effective, especially for new agents, and especially right, especially, right. especially for the agents that don't have a system they've proven themselves.
0: Well, mm-hmm. Well, then you just come off as mean. <laughs> yes.
1: <Yeah. laughs> or, or they <laughs> feel like you're deceived. You know, they talked to this really nice guy on the phone that was um, funny and really charming and had a great personality, and the guy that shows up to their house, you know, is the exact opposite you know, or has a yeah, different personality. Yeah, it's
0: jarring. Yeah, it's jarring. Yeah, they go, oh,
1: man, well, what happened, you know, what happened <laughs> yeah. to Tom? Jason showed up, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and <I'll>, exactly.
1: <laughs> and they're like, man, uh, is this how it's going to be working with them? Am I never going to talk yeah. to the same person twice?
0: Right, so. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's not an experience any seller wants, and I, I can't imagine it's incredibly effective. I We learned a lot today. Uh, I've learned a lot even just talking to you, interviewing you. Um, there's just it's it's crazy to me that there's so many different methods that real estate agents use. But after you know watching your physomastery Mastery Program, I was really looking forward to you know learning a little bit more about your system. And I think it the points that really stand out to me is just sticking to a script, uh, remaining consistent, practicing, following up, and preparing listing presentations and just being prepared in general, will all those things kind of lend to each other? Uh, is there anything else, like one last thing that you would maybe attribute your success to?
1: Yes. Um, you know, one thing is there's never as much competition as what there seems. You know, um, I mean, consistency is a big thing, but, you know, for new agents out there, new agents just getting on the phone, there's never as much competition as there's. As it seems, and you know what, we're doing when we get on the phone, and we start prospecting for a lot of offices. You're going to have to build a strong mindset and mm-hmm. you're going to have to build a tough mindset because what we're doing for a lot of the industry, even today, for what we're doing for a lot of the industry, this is unusual. Mm-hmm. And anytime somebody's doing something unusual or trying to take a different path than the norm, you know, which the norm is, hey, let's do Facebook ads, let's pay for Zillow, let's do this, let's send mail, mm-hmm. you know. Um, anytime you try to do a different you try to take a different path or a different strategy than the norm, there are gonna be people that are going to talk down to you about it and they're gonna be negative mm-hmm. about your plan and they're gonna say, Oh, people don't do that anymore and um and you just have to stay tough. Sometimes you gotta avoid those people, sometimes you gotta quit answering their phone calls, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you have yeah. to tell well, you a significant other, hey look, this is what I wanna do, lay off me, you know. You know, you don't have yeah. to be supportive every minute. Just don't tackle me when I have the ball, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, um, you know, hopefully everybody is supportive of you or your significant other is very supportive of you. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not, sometimes you have to have that conversation, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you so much. Uh, your, your wisdom, honestly, to me, is just so valuable because consistency, like I said, is such an issue that agents face, and your process solidifies that consistency all the time. You're always practicing. You're always looking for improvement. You're always looking to get a leg up. You're always looking to be prepared. And I just think that is so important to for agents yep. to hear, especially new agents.
1: That's right. Uh, well, I so, appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for for speaking with us today. I, I look forward to talking to you again in the future everything every time i i hear you speak i learn something new <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great i appreciate it i feel like i'm getting a little bit better at this whole thing you know so.
0: <laughs> well hopefully i'll get better at it too <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey well, let me know if i can help you guys i really appreciate you yeah Yeah.
0: thank you so much jason we, we appreciate it as well On behalf of the Red X community, I would like to thank Jason Morris for his time and advice and willingness to act as a model for success in front of our agents who might be struggling or have questions that they need answered. Speaking of questions and answers, I would also like to thank you guys for sending in your questions and participating. If you have any other questions or if you'd like to learn more about the FISBOs that Jason talked about today, how to use them, the cost, what results to expect, and how they compare to other products on the market, or any of our other products, such as our Storm Dialer, Red X Expires, Fervos, Pre-Foreclosures, or our Geary Leads tool, you can go to theredx.com or call 800 731 Seven three three nine. Again, you can go to theredx.com or call 800-731-7339. As usual, it is my pleasure to work with you to find out what questions you have and figuring out what answers are important for you to know. And I'm looking forward to the next time. Happy prospecting. Prospecting. Prospecting.